0: Our text is Matthew chapter two, verses 13 through 23. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you'd bring your word to us with power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would open our ears, open our eyes, and open our hearts, that as we face forward into this new year, we might be doers of your word. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. It was all there. Milwaukee, Arnold's drive-in, and the cast from the past, Mr. and Mrs. Cunningham, the Fonz, Richie, Ralph Mouth, and Patsy, and in his last appearance, Pat Morita as Arnold. In 2005, the 30th anniversary of Happy Days was aired on television in what could be the last reunion of the cast the Bible with its repeating and ever-increasing story of redemption often has characters who seem to return in a different form again and again. This morning in the Gospel of Matthew, we'll look at cast from the past. Cast from the past. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're gonna begin there in Matthew chapter two in verse 13. Now at this point, in our text. We've had the wise men, the magi, who've come from Jerusalem, and they've created a bit of anxiety for Herod because they're looking for the king of the Jews. They've come to Jesus, and they've presented gifts to him, and they've done worship before him. They've been waiting for centuries, likely off of information of magi long ago, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so in verse 13, we read, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Now the Bible is a gigantic story of redemption with ever increasingly larger repeating patterns. So think about it for a minute, just to name a few. Humanity begins in a garden and ends in the book of Revelation in a worldwide garden city. We've got King David, king over the geographical kingdom of Israel in the Middle East, which then goes on to become the final King David, King Jesus, who's the king of kings and lord of lords over all the cosmos. We've got the first Adam defeated by Satan, who curses the world the last Adam comes and defeats Satan and saves the world. So here we have our setting. We've got a flight between Israel and Egypt. This has happened before, has it not? Think about it. Jacob went down to Egypt to escape catastrophe during a time of a great famine back in the book of Genesis. Moses left Egypt to escape catastrophe. First, when he left, when he'd killed the Egyptian, But then he returns, and then in the Exodus, brings the people of God out of Egypt after catastrophe has fallen upon that land. But here we have deep irony. Look at the story that we have here. Do you see shadows, illusions? Do you see old types reappearing once again? Here we have Pharaoh and he's appeared once again and is a murderous boy killer, but this time Pharaoh is the false king of the Jews, Herod. And the new Israel, personified by Jesus, escapes from the promised land, ironically, down to Egypt. On to verse 14 here. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. Now the plot begins to thicken. The cast of characters is developed. How did a carpenter, and I don't think he was an impoverished man per se, Joseph, but he was a tradesman, he's living in the first century, how did a carpenter take flight and live in Egypt for a period of time? And now, by the way, in Egypt in the first century, there's a very large Jewish community. In fact, in Alexandria, there may be 100,000 or more Jews living in that city alone. How was he able to do this? Well, what had just happened, friends? Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. We've got the wise men, the magi, they come to Jesus. And it says, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now oftentimes you got your little crush, right? And it looks like a really small amount of stuff. These men are representing kings of the east. Likely they came from Babylon. They've been waiting for centuries, handing down this tradition. Probably came from Daniel. Watch forth, by the way, that the particular prophecy of looking for the star actually came from Balaam of all people. But they're waiting and longing for this thing. And then this sign appears and they finally go. I imagine they had quite a bit of treasure that they brought with them. And they present to baby Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And this is how the Holy Family was provisioned down in Egypt. And then it fulfills Hosea chapter 11 verse one. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son Israel, God's spiritual son, was called out of Egypt in the Exodus. But the new Israel, God's eternal only begotten son is called out of Egypt because Israel has become Egypt. Pharaoh Herod is dead now and recalling Exodus ironically, the new Israel is called out of Egypt which is a safe place to come back into Israel which has become a very dangerous place for the baby Messiah going on to verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old and under according to the time that he'd ascertained from the wise men, we return back to the main story. And like a blast from the past, we've got Herod playing Pharaoh. You remember Herod had all the male children cast into the Nile River and destroyed in the days of Moses. But Moses was saved. But here we've got Herod, the king of the Jews, acting like Pharaoh and he's having his men go to Bethlehem and the region around there to kill all the male children under the age of two. He becomes furious at the wise men who were warned by God not to return to Herod and he repeats Pharaoh's murder of the male babies of Israel at Bethlehem. So the false king of the Jews attempts to murder the true king of the Jews. Let's go on to verse 17. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Kids, pay attention here. You're probably reading this, maybe... First time some of you kids thinking about this, what's this all about? Why Rachel? Why the town of Ramah? What's the interconnection with these events? Now we see that the cast is expanded and introduced into the cast now is Rachel. Why Rachel? Rachel was the wife of Jacob and the mother of Joseph, the one who was carried off in slavery because of his brothers down into Egypt and then ends up rising by the power of God to be more powerful even than Pharaoh. The wife of Jacob and the mother of Joseph, Rachel, she weeps for her children who have been murdered. And then we've got this connection here. See that? A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. What's the inner connection between Rachel and Ramah? Well, Rama was a collection point for the exiles heading to Babylon. Some five, six centuries before this during the Babylonian exile, if you remember the story that you read forth in the accounts and chronicles of the narratives of the Old Testament, we see that all the influential people of Judah, the last remaining kingdom of Israel, this small city-state by this point in time around Jerusalem, they're all collected together. The priests, the intelligentsia, the wealthy of the land, the influential. They're collected together and they're taken to Ramah. They're brought in from all regions around what remains of Israel and they're collected at Ramah. And from there, they're taken to Babylon. Think about what that must have been like. Here you are getting ready to go into 70 years of captivity. If you're my age, 56, you're never seeing your land again. Rama was the last place that they looked back upon, the exiles, to look at their land as they were carried off into captivity for the vast majority of them, never to see their land again. And we see here in the first century with all that's happening with Herod and how he's ruling over Israel, Israel is still in need of a true king and a full return from exile. They've been under in their own land, under the Babylonians and then the Persians and then the Greeks, and they threw the Greeks off in the days of the Maccabees through the help of the Romans, but when the Romans help you out, they always come back and expect something in return. And so by this point in time, Rome is starting to take over Israel, which will soon become Judea, which will be a province in the Roman Empire, and so we see that Israel is still in exile in their own land when the king comes. Verse 19, but when Herod died, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. You ever wondered why the angel comes and appears personally to people in the Bible? Going back to Daniel, we've got everything forecasted on the coming of Messiah, the Son of Man. And we see that Gabriel comes personally and meets with Daniel. And then when we get to the New Testament, we see that Gabriel comes and personally meets with Mary and with Zachariah inside the temple, but when it comes to Joseph, he comes and meets him in dreams. Why? Well, the old Joseph was a man of divine dreams, and God speaks to the new Joseph by angels through dreams. Jesus, the king of the Jews, returns to Israel as the throne is vacated. When Herod the Great died, He was over the United Kingdom of Israel. But when he died, his kingdom was split up among his sons and daughters. It would never be united under a king again. And increasingly, it would be under Roman power and authority, and as this happens, Jesus, the true king of Israel and the king of the world, returns to Israel, verse 21. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Now if you look at commentators on this, you'll wonder, well, what's the difference between Archelius, who's reigning in Jerusalem, and his brother, who is Herod Antipater, Herod Antipas, he's a wicked man too. So why is it okay to go to Galilee and not go into the land of Israel or Judea proper. Well, another dream takes the Holy Family from the prying eyes and the power intrigues of Judea to the quiet of Galilee. Imagine if baby Jesus had grown up in Jerusalem with all of its power intrigues. When Jesus shows up at the end of the day and he shows forth his power and his mighty acts, He feeds people out of his bare hands. He heals the sick. He casts out demons. He raises the dead and the power structure in Jerusalem wants to put him to death. It's a dangerous place. And so we see that the Holy Family goes out to Galilee, this outer region of Israel at this time that's being resettled by Jews, but there's lots of Gentiles up there and in the far hinterlands of the region of Galilee Jesus will grow. Jesus will mature. Jesus will prepare for his ministry in quiet. Going on to verse 23. And he went and lived in the city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. Do you notice how much hay is made about this idea? He's from Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? He's the Nazarene, and then later, the people of God are called the followers of the Nazarene. What's up with Nazareth? What's up with the Nazarene? Well, the final addition to the cast is brought into the picture. And the final addition to the cast is the branch. Let me explain. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Kids, if you have a Bible, I'm open there. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. It says there, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So this idea here is that these tree stumps are the great families of Israel, the great dynastic families of Israel, and in particular, the family of the line of David, his father, Jesse. Jesse, who comes forth from the tribe of Judah. And we see that when the exile comes, Metaphorically, all the great families are chopped down and those stumps are burned. When you chop and burn a stump, it's dead. It's done. But what happens here? There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. The word for branch is netzer. Netzer. Many believe that the town of Nazareth is named after Netzer, branch, so that it would be Netzereth, or branch town. And he shall be called a Nazarene. He shall be the one from branch town. He shall be a brancher, for indeed, he is the branch. He's the little shoot that comes out of that dead stump of Jesse that becomes a branch, that becomes a great tree, the largest of trees, and bears fruit, giving life to the world. Can I hear an amen into that? Yes. Jesus is the Netzer who comes from Netzareth. When The Rise of Skywalker was being filmed, it, like all recent Star Wars films, was a subject of rampant speculation as to cast members from the past. Would Billy D. Williams be back? Would they use old footage of Carrie Fisher to digitally reproduce Princess Leia? And would Mark Hamill return as the aging Luke Skywalker because having a returning cast from the past seems so satisfying and written into our DNA? And God did write these things into our DNA. He is the master storyteller executing the grand epic of the redemption of the world with huge repeating acts and recapitulating casts of characters who return in familiar forms, imposingly repeating the past. In the Gospel of Matthew this morning, we've seen the cast from the past. Saludio gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for the grand story of redemption, but not just a story, but the reality of the redemption of the world and our redemption in it. Let us rejoice in the light of that as we begin this new year. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.